Good morning. So those of us that were in Sunday school, um, what a uh, what a wonderful lesson, John. If, and I'll put a plug in for Sunday school this morning. John has been teaching us, um, and, and I hope it continues. I, I hope we we get in this rhythm because it's the cadence is uh, is is awesome in that book um, of Acts. Um, and if we were ever to see what a model church should look like, brothers and sisters, it's Acts and Fourth Nephi. So maybe John, we could slip right into Fourth Nephi right after Acts, just to, just to continue on. But what a great lesson today. Chapter 3 was about Peter and John lifting up the man at Gate Beautiful um, that was crippled. How many of you remember that story? Right? Right. And so John asked this, you know, humdinger of a question, and that is, you know, why do we have disabilities? And I can expand on that question. We could all expand on that. Why do we have sickness? Why do we have poor people? Why do we have poverty? Okay. All of the social ills of life and the disabilities of life. You know, I, I look around the room and some of you actually interface with all of that daily, right? You see dysfunction in families daily. Some of you in your profession. Um, and you say, why? why? Why is there that? Why, you know? The short answer is, um, on this side of heaven, while we can experience Zion, what is Zion? By the way, this is going to be interactive this morning, so I'm just going to prepare you. Get ready. What is Zion? I'll help you a little bit. It's about a kingdom. Whose kingdom is it? It's God's kingdom. Zion is God's kingdom where? On earth, right. So, even though we have Zion, God's kingdom on earth, it's still the earth. It's not heaven. Where all of that goes away. Okay? And there's still bad things that happen in the world today. Um, this the same idea of in ancient times, especially under the law of Moses, people thought that if you sinned, evil was going to happen to you. And, and sometimes the two don't have any connection at all. Right? So the Roman leadership had taken lives of Jews, Galileans actually, and they asked the Lord, Lord, who had the greater sin? The Romans or were it the Galileans that really were bad people and that's why they got murdered? And the Lord said, no. It has nothing to do with that. They, they didn't sin. Right? Just like the people that fell the tower fell on them of Siloam and slew these people, right? An accident happened. It must have been a current event that happened in their town. And Jesus calls it out. Nobody sinned. Just bad things happen in this life. So, my message today is found in 1 Thessalonians. And uh, to title the message, Give Thanks in All Circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And the Scripture says, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and I. So, if, if we think we're just doing something that's nice to do it, we're going to give thanks when even bad things happen to us, uh-uh. It's actually God's will that we give thanks 
in all circumstances. It's pretty powerful. And, and we've heard this message before, brothers and sisters. And you say to yourself, well, how, how am I going to give thanks when bad things are happening? How am I going to give thanks when something really goes bad? This isn't about you not feeling bad. Okay? And, and we know so many things about each other in this room, right? We're an intimate church. We, this is our church family. We know each other. Okay? And you know me and I know you. Not 100%, but we know each other. We know when things hurt you because you express them in church, and we also know how you're dealing with it, right? Because we, 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 we're, we're close. And that doesn't mean we don't feel bad and we, we're hurt. And I can call out examples. I won't do that. But you're a cloud of witnesses this morning. But it's, do we stay in this bad place? Or do we lift ourselves out because it's the will of God for us to give thanks in all circumstances? Not easy, <laughs> but it's the will of God. It's the will of God for us to love our neighbors. It's the will of God. That's, you know, our neighbors. And I have nice neighbors. They're awesome. They're beautiful people. They, you know, we love to hang out together. They come over our house. We come over there. But you ever have a neighbor that's not nice? <laughs> you ever have a neighbor that tortures you? I had one of those once when, before I moved. I mean, it was, you know. Five dogs, never cleaned up after the dogs. I can go on and on, right? And Brother Pete can go crazy over that stuff. It's the will of God that we love our enemies. It's the will of God that we love those that hurt us. Okay? It's the will of God. We've got to fulfill the will of God. And so, giving thanks in all circumstances, I want to talk about that this morning because that's exactly where John was going. And we question. When things go bad and things don't get corrected in a timely manner and we come up to the chair and we get prayed on or we bring our request before the Lord, bad things happen. And it doesn't get corrected right away. And we say, am I lacking faith? Am I righteous enough? Oh, that's where we go as a church. Am I righteous enough? I, I, I love that one. Brothers and sisters, i got news for us. We're never righteous enough. It's only the righteousness of Jesus that makes us even worthy. Amen? We're never righteous enough. It's not about works and checking a box, as Brother Austin taught us many months ago. It's not about that. It's about giving thanks. And so, I want to go into this beautiful lesson, if we can, and I, 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 I describe it this way. Don't take this the wrong way, brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm a black and white guy. You know that. I'm just going to call it out. Have patience with me. Certainly there's gray areas. I know that. I know that. And I'm human just like you. And I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form. And sometimes I live in those gray areas and I want to get out of them. Because they don't do us any good. I want to be in the light. And not a 40-watt bulb either. Grumbling, grumbling is the ascent of hell. Can I get an amen on that? It's, it is. Be careful, it's catchy. You grumble and you complain and you are on your way down. You are not ascending, right? Grumbling and complaining. On the flip side, 
Gratitude is the ascent of heaven. Agree? Amen. And so if it's the will of God for us to give thanks in every situation, oh my goodness, how fast do we quickly go to grumbling? I'm a grumbler. I know I am. I am. I call it out. I, I, this message is for me today. I grumble. My lovely wife has to jab me in the ribs and smack me up back the head. Stop it. You know how blessed you are. I grumble about everything. If my coffee's not hot enough, if my food isn't right, I grumble. And I complain. Now, I can say I have a high standard, but that's not true. <laughs> I grumble. It's all what's between your ears and what's here in your heart that gives us an attitude of praise and gratefulness in any circumstance. Amen? And that has to come from Jesus, my brothers and sisters. It can't come from nowhere else. If the attitude of grumbling and our heart immediately goes to complaining when a bad thing happens, it's not when a good thing happens, obviously. We have to check ourselves who has control of our heart at that moment. Brothers and sisters, I'm with you. Giving thanks when circumstances are horrible is almost, well, it just doesn't make sense. Not, not, not humanly possible to not uh, be upset, complain, grumble, be critical when things are horrible in your life. And sometimes... When the things are horrible, we are actually in a position where we say, how long, how long is this going to take? That's another thing we're not patient about. How long, right? Don't we ask those questions? What fuels a heart of thanksgiving when life is filled with disappointments, disease, disaster? If I was Brother Tony, I'd call these the D's. Yeah, he loves to do all that. Death, there's nothing more final than death, especially an untimely death. Well, when is it a good time to die? It's never a good time to die. But a, a, a death that is, when in our mind, it, it's not right. It's not fair, right? A 95-year-old person that gets cancer and slips off peacefully in their sleep, that's, I mean, we can handle that, right? But someone that's 27, right, can't handle that, let alone someone that has maybe a, a, a disability or uh, is disabled mentally, whatever, and, and bad things happen, right, to a final end. Man, we, it, how do you put your mind around that? Well, there's only one way, and Jesus showed us the way, and I want to take you to the final night of his life. And so we're going to go to Luke, the 22nd chapter. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go there. Just bear with me because my uh, iPad is being really finicky here. So Luke 22, and we're going to start with the, uh, the 19th verse. Now maybe you could set this up for me. What was, uh, just because we know the end of the story, we got chapter 23 and chapter 24. 
what was facing the Lord? That the apostles really didn't know who were in the upper room with him. Jesus knew, but no one else knew. What was facing the Lord? You can just shout it out. Huh? Death. Okay. Sister Faye, I'll keep picking on you because you were brave enough to speak up. Would you say that would you say that this was going to be a peaceful death? He was just going to go to sleep and he was going to fall asleep and just go into paradise? No. Would you even describe it as a horrible death? Worse than that. The death that he was about to face was so horrible that the Book of Mormon says no man would ever be able to go through it. And you know what Jesus did? He had bread on a plate and he bowed his head. And when he had given thanks, the scripture says, when he had given thanks, I want you to just rest on that a moment. He broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now we, we do it the opposite way because this was before he was crucified. We actually break the bread and then we bless it and consecrate it. But Jesus gave thanks. Wonder what he said. What did he give thanks for? What do you think? What could he possibly thank God for in his... Judas was about to betray him, someone that he loved and was with him for three and a half years. All the disciples were going to scatter and leave. Peter was going to deny even knew him and actually curse and act like one of the Jews. Okay? And when it was all said and done, he was going to face this all alone. He was literally going to suffer the wrath of God, brothers and sisters, that where God couldn't even look upon him because the sin was so great upon Jesus because he was taking on the sin of all the world that ever was committed and ever would be committed. It was, he cried out, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet he gave thanks. For what? What did he say? What was his thanksgiving prayer? I want, I, want, I want to tell you, he didn't say, Lord, bless this bread and consecrate it that it might be food for our souls. He didn't do that. He was the bread of life. I taught this lesson once for the men's class, Anthony, and I know Anthony's going to remember it because it, he really got excited about it. This beautiful setting right here in Christianity, it's a Greek word. Does anyone know what it is? It starts with an E. Eucharist. Which literally means a consecration of bread and wine for the body and blood of Jesus. In some churches, it's actually a sacrament. It's not an ordinance in some churches. It's a sacrament. Which means it is a holy thing set apart as baptism is and as many other things are in the church. And this extension of the word Eucharist in Greek, and literally that's what this word thanks means in Luke. 
So when you take thanks, I wish I had a screen for you guys, especially you young people, because you, you get visuals, right? That's coming, by the way. I wish I had a screen that would show the word. This word, if you just take thanks out of Luke and put Eucharist in there, that's exactly what this word means. The root word in Greek is Eucharisteo. Which we had, brother. What's that brother's name from your former branch, Ken? <laughs> he would love this sermon. He would love this lesson because he was Greek. Eucharisteo. And this word, if you break it down, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is the root of Eucharist. And it means grace. So you know what Jesus was doing the night before He was crucified? You know what He was giving thanks for, brothers and sisters? What do you think? What do you think? Grace. He was giving thanks to God for the great plan of salvation. If you break the word down even more, brothers and sisters, And charis means grace. Kara. C-H-A-R-A. Which is even the, the, the real root of Eucharist. It means fullness of joy. I believe on the night before Jesus was crucified and all that horror was in front of Him in terror, he understood the grace of God and the plan of God. And he understood the great fullness of joy. Future joy. Future. Wasn't it that moment? Does that make sense what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? He was taking the bread and he knew it to be a gift of God, brothers and sisters. That through this great sacrifice, a victory was going to be won. Salvation was going to be to all who would believe on the name of Jesus. This victory on Calvary was going to be given to anyone that would confess that Jesus was the Savior. That's the Word of God. So let's think for a moment about this beautiful Word. I want to read this to you. These are some of my notes, but I want to give credit to the author. Get a chance. Ann Voskamp, V-O-S-K-A-M-P, wrote on this topic. And when I read it, it stirred my soul. Me personally, it gave me a greater understanding than everything I need to give thanks. For it's the will of Christ Jesus in my life. This is really what the Lord said. Thank you, Father, that my body, symbolized by this bread, is about to be brutally broken. And I am about to be momentarily damned by your wrath. Momentarily. Isn't that beautiful? By the way, that's in Isaiah 53 if you want to look it up so that you will receive 
supreme glory. You see how sometimes the bad things of this life, sickness, disability, poverty, social ills, all the bad things of this life could be turned around to give glory to the Lord, brothers and sisters. For when I am weak, He is made strong. When I am weak and out at the end of my rope, when I surrender to God, He is glorified. Amen. The Brooklyn Tab sings this beautiful hymn. They open up a concert like this. If you've ever heard the Brooklyn Tab live album, which is one of my favorites, they sing, Give God the Glory. You ever heard that, Ken? With Alvin Slaughter, he sings the lead on that, Oh my, it's so beautiful. Give God the glory, they repeat it over and over. Why? Because He will bring you, do you remember the song, Jameson? Peace. He'll bring you peace. Jesus said, peace at this moment. The garden was facing Him, and He was going to be overcome, and His flesh was going to be overcome with the grief not, not of the cross, not of nails and a sword and crown of thorns. It was that He was going to have to take on all our sins. That was so overwhelming. And the human half was just struggling with it. Brothers and sisters, the Book of Mormon so beautifully teaches us that in Messiah. King Benjamin says it. But what did he do? Danny, what did he do in the garden? What did he say? Not my will, but thine. And angels were dispatched from heaven. Don't forget that part, brothers and sisters. Angels came and they gave the Lord strength and peace. Give God the glory, for he will bring us peace. So that while you receive supreme glory in being able to forgive undeserving sinners I will share eternally fullness of joy what did he say in John and now is my joy full he said to those that were going to go out after he's crucified and preach this glorious gospel to the whole world his joy was full at that moment because of he knew what was going to happen they were going to do greater things than he did brothers and sisters Jesus looking at future joy with hundreds and millions of forgiven sinners made righteous through this sacrifice. Do you understand all that? Raise your hand if you understand it today. I know you do. Made righteous because of, the, because of Calvary. You know what future joy does? It fuels your endurance. Amen? If you're stuck in the moment, how many have ever had shingles? How many have ever had something like that where you just want to rake your body? Poor Job, remember he had all those boils? I had a skin situation one time. It was called... Uh, Pithoriasis rosacea. I can't even hardly think about it. That's how scary it was for me. I started out with this big host on my body. And the doctor I went to and he said, you're, you're going to be in a lot, of, a lot of discomfort. Oh, there, that's good. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm going to give thanks in all situations. Okay. Man, was he right. January of 2000, this thing was like, like an alien ship on my chest. And these little aliens start appearing everywhere on my body. AJ, you even know what that is? Pithoriasis rosacea? You do. See, he's awesome. So you know, right? Second hand. It turned into the flu symptoms. I had fever. I had chills. I couldn't go into the shower. I couldn't put clothes on. I didn't know what to do with myself. It ended up, the only way I was able to get rid of it, the doctor said, I don't know what more I can do for you. I've pumped you so full of drugs. He says, go to Florida. Get in the sun. The sun takes it away. Boy, he was spot on. Wendy and I went down there in March after three months of having this, and it went away. It, it faded, and I was able to get through it. Are you kidding me? Joy in that? I couldn't see past my nose. I, I... But my brothers and sisters, you ever seen a saint of God that's going through something and they don't have the problem right here in front of them? they got heaven here in front of them. They have salvation here in front of them. They have Jesus suffering here in front of them. They have thankfulness here in front of them that no matter what's going on in their lives, they're grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Now that's someone that's grounded and rooted in the will of God, brothers and sisters. And that's someone that I want to be. I don't want to grumble and complain. I want to give thanks to God. Glory to God in all things. And He will bring you peace. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters, I believe in the Book of Mormon teaches us this. Know ye not, the writer says in 2 Nephi, that He was holy. You know who Jesus was. He was God Himself come down among the children of men. He had not a blemish on Him. He was holy. Yet notwithstanding this, the Scripture says, he suffered the will of God in all things. You know, my brothers and sisters, I got news for you today. Who's bigger? You or God? We're going to suffer the will of God in all things. You've got two choices. You could humbly submit and be filled with peace, or you could come along kicking and screaming and grumbling, right? And you got misery. That's the choice. God's bigger, He's going to win. And if you turn your back and reject Him completely, because we're free agents, we can choose. Sometimes. Well then, you know what? We lose. In that beautiful song that I quoted you by the Brooklyn Tab, there's a bridge. And in the bridge, the music cuts out. And the choir sings, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Oh, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Right? And you're not welcome here. Amen? 
When you're going through troubles, brothers and sisters, and trials, you understand that the work that was done on Calvary, the blood of Jesus, it's against Satan at that moment. And when you grumble, and when we get lost in our problems, and when we forget that Calvary is right before us, brothers and sisters, and it's ever there, it never goes away. It's a promise that is forever. I believe Emmett spoke that this morning in his prayer. He could never take it back, Emmett said. Satan has no power when that's going on. You understand me today? And when you glorify the Lord by staying faithful and humble and filled with thanksgiving, Satan is neutralized in your life. And the peace of God is upon you, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. You young men and women, especially those of you that are in a marriage, things aren't going right, I want you to see the cross of Jesus. Don't let Satan have glory in your marriage because you want it all for you and you don't want to bless your mate with, with surrender and love and giving unto her, you brothers, what she deserves and that is to be first place in your life. You sisters, love your husbands. It's the same thing. Love them. Give them respect. And don't let Satan rob your marriage, but give God the glory and peace will come in your home. I could go on and on this morning. The clock's running. Every situation that we go through, whether you're a daddy and a mommy and you have children, don't be selfish, brothers and sisters and saints of God and parents. Give of your children of yourself, your time, your love, your attention, that Satan might be neutralized and Jesus might have the glory. Amen. And you children, you're not off the hook this morning either. You look at this. These young people this morning, they look so beautiful. Obey your parents. For that's the will of God in your life, for you to be wonderful, obedient children to your parents. Because when you do that, you're neutralizing Satan and you're giving glory to God and peace will be in your heart. You won't be angry children. You'll be loving children, peaceful with your family. Here's what you have to look forward to. I'm going to end with this. You want to give thanks? Complete forgiveness? You'll never have to uh, merit your justification by keeping laws and rules. You feel good about that? I, I need an amen on that. We don't got to keep laws and rules. We just got to love God and serve Him and surrender unto Him. You'll have all your real needs provided for on earth. That's a promise of God. And God, I can go on with this list that's long. I'm just going to end with this. And God will complete the work that He started in you on the day you surrendered your heart to Christ until the day of Jesus. Amen? You aren't going to complete nothing. You're going to endure. You're going to stay in Christ Jesus and not complain and grumble. You're going to stay in Christ. You're going to stay in the church, the ark of safety, and you're going to be filled with thanksgiving and God is going to carry you right into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, 
Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what? Jesus remembered everybody at that moment, did he not? This very day, you will be with me in paradise. What a, what a promise. And so, my brothers and sisters, there's so many wonderful things we could say on this topic. I want to always keep the plan of salvation in my mind. And do we have questions on why things don't sometimes come to be? Ken brought up about our cousin. You've heard that before, and why God took him. Not only do I feel that we had faith. You know what I felt, Ken? I felt Ryan had faith. But you know what Ryan had? He had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith. He had two-fisted faith. Here's one-fisted. You come up to the chair, and you say, I know you can heal me, Lord. And we pray that way. Here's the second fist. 18th verse in that chapter. Read it. I know God's going to heal us and take us from this fiery furnace. I know that. That's one-fisted faith. And by the way, that's a requirement of us to have faith. Here's the other fist. But if He doesn't, I know our God is able. And I will never, we will never bow down to your gods. That's two-fisted. I got faith, but if he doesn't, I'm going to give thanks until the day I die. When Ryan couldn't speak anymore, he had a pin that he'd wear on his lapel and it said, praise the Lord. Do you remember that? He had more faith. And you know, I think that Danny said it right. God bless you, Brother Dan. I think you were filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. There were so many nuggets, John. I wish we could record all these wonderful comments. We're not going to ask the Lord any questions like that when we get to heaven. Because we'll have all the answers when we get there, brothers and sisters. The moment we close our eyes in this life and go into the kingdom of God, all that gets answered. Instantly. We're heavenly. And that's the blessings of the Lord. That's a promise. So may God bless you today, my brothers and sisters. Let's have a heart of thanksgiving, two-fisted faith, however you want to call it. That no matter what, we're here for the long run. Until the day He calls us home. May God bless you is my prayer.